Well, I'm excited this week. We are jumping into a brand new series. Uh, I really was kind of stunned when um, I put my sermon notes into a a thing we use called Basecamp. And um, it's just a way that like a lot of our content is shared among our staff. And when I typed for this week's sermon, you know, I typed 12, the date, 12-4. I'm like, I can't believe there's only like three sermons left for me in the year. This year's gone already. Isn't that crazy? Uh, But we get to lean into it just because... It's the end of the year and we feel like the hustle is on us and the rat race and all that stuff is upon us. Um, We can't miss Christmas. We can't miss the purpose of all of this. You know, what I love about Advent in this season uh, is it helps make sure that our focus is where it needs to be. Uh, It it says, hey, we're going to not only remember all that the Lord has done for us, we're not only going to remember Christmas and what it's all about and this gift that we've been given, this gift of Christmas, not only are we going to remember it, but also we, we set our hearts on the anticipation of, of course, the one who came, but is, is coming again. And so it, it's, it's a great posture for us to keep in our hearts as here we are. Another Christmas season is upon us. We're going to remember. We're going to anticipate. We're also going to reflect. We're going to reflect, but we're also going to prepare. Because if we're not careful, this whole season, this gift of Christmas that we have, um, it, it, it just turns into just another thing that falls on our calendar. And that would rob us of God's great purpose in it. Amen. So let's pray and we'll kick this series off. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. Lord, I thank you for the gift of Christmas, your son being sent here on earth to earth um, to be our way maker, to be our Messiah, to be our savior. And God, I pray that as we celebrate this season and we rest in this season, God, I pray that you speak to us in new ways. God, we don't want redundant. We don't want familiar, but God, we want a fresh look at this gift of Christmas. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. You know, Christmas obviously is so much more than what it's made out to be. Just even the word Christmas, you think is some sort of maybe secular word, maybe made up to sell things and celebrate things. We, of course, have gifts to buy and meals to plan and parties to, to attend and people to have over. And you got to make all of this fit in a certain month. And we think that Christmas is just simply that season. But Christmas literally means the worship of Christ. It's Christ mass means the worship of Christ. That's actually what this whole season is all about. This gift of Christmas is is that we have this ability and this posture and this lifestyle of, I have a Savior, a Messiah, who I can worship and adore. You know, it's funny, we hear all of the different Christmas songs, and, uh, you know, secular artists, you know, they write them, they put their spin on them. Of course, we're big Disney people, so uh, we were watching the Disney magical whatever it is that they film and put on ABC, and uh, they were singing, you know, some worshipful Christmas. They were these trashy artists celebrating these Christmas songs. That wasn't a judgment. I'm just saying what it was. And one of my kids said to him, one of my kids said to me, is this a, is this a worship song? And I said, well, yeah, all these words that have become so just played in our stores Actually, these songs actually do Christmas. They're worship of Christ. So come let us adore him. Like uh, so much of this postures us and centers us in, hey, we got to be a people who who understand and value and appreciate this gift that we have of Christmas, of, of Christ coming to be our Savior and our Messiah. And so it's about appreciating the value of this gift. And so these next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at what those gifts are. It's more than just salvation. It's more than just the Savior coming and being our Messiah and dying on, of course, on the cross for our sins. But there's even more gifts that come with uh, our Savior coming to earth. So the next couple of weeks, I hope you get a lot out of it. But I've been thinking about gifts, 
You know, there's going to be a lot of gifts passed. There's going to be a lot of exchanges made. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, um, uh, of, of, of time and effort and energy and money put into the exchange of gifts. I was talking to someone in the hallway, and this is his tradition. He doesn't buy a single gift until Christmas Eve. And he just goes out on Christmas Eve and goes crazy. And I'm like, you hate yourself. That's, that sounds insane. <laughs> we're, we're like the collect it all year and put it away and hide it, forget half of what we bought and find it again in June, you know, kind of people. Uh, but, but there's going to be a lot of exchange. There's going to be a lot of gift giving. There's going to be, you know, a lot of generosity that takes place. There's going to be a lot of exchange. But, but the purpose and the intent and the heart behind a gift is what makes it great. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. The understanding of what it means and who gives it and what the purpose is and what the significance of it is, that's what actually makes a gift great. Yeah. My youngest daughter, I've told you about her. Her name is Callie. She's four years old and she is our party. She is nonstop. She's constant. She's just hilarious. She says all the funny things, sings all the funny things, does all the funny things. She's just totally our party. And uh, I brought a picture of her uh, for you. This is Callie. She's our four-year-old. And um, I don't know whose cat that is, but she's, uh, that's, uh, it's our daughter, and uh, she's just the cutest, she's just the funnest. As a matter of fact, yesterday, uh, because I can't say no to her, my kids once overheard me, my older kids once overheard me say this in a service. Well, sometimes these services are shown in other screens in the building, and my kids heard me say this one time, my older kids. Uh, I said, oh, Callie, by far, she's my favorite. And so I got the interrogation of like, um, is Kelly your favorite? I said, no, you're all, you're all my favorite. And then Kelly was like, no, you're my favorite for sure. <laughs> so I can't ever say no to her ever. And, uh, and, and, and so yesterday I was uh, installing uh, in the garage door, I was installing a kitty door, a doggy door in the garage. <laughs> and um, she wanted to help. She just wanted to help. She wanted to be a big part of this, which automatically means your project that goes from like 30 minutes now becomes an hour and 45 minutes because the four-year-old is helping, but I can't say no. And um, I, I was kind of offended at the end because I wasn't sure if she was being like, like loving and authentic or insulting because we get the whole thing all put up, we get it all done, and, and I close the door and she goes, oh, wow, dad, we did it. And I was like, that sounds like you weren't believing that that was going to happen. But she's by far like our most generous. She's such a giver. She's such a sweetheart. Uh, many times I have to eat things that I wish that I didn't have to eat. Meaning like she's held Skittles in her hand for like an hour and brings me the last three. Saved you three, Dad. I'm like, oh, those are all so slimy and dirty. And I'm going to eat them. But she, she always thinks of you when it comes to like an extra food or something like that. And so she's always bringing me gifts. She's always bringing me these little gifts that she made. I brought a couple. I've told you before that... Um, one time she asked me who my favorite princess was, and I said, I uh, just threw one out. I just threw one out. I said, Cinderella. And so now anytime there's anything Cinderella that comes on, she goes, Dad, Cinderella. <laughs> and so like every day, at least weekly, I get these little things from her. This is, it's, she made it. So just a little cut up card. It's got some Cinderella stickers on it. It just says, Dad double-sided, and she'll either slip it under my pillow or she'll put it on my nightstand next to the thing. And I can always tell when she does it because when I get home, she's just right by me going like waiting for me to go in the room. She, and so she makes this little thing here. And I got drawers full of these things that she makes for me. She got real creative one day and um, she made me a keychain. This is a keychain. She took one of her little things off one of her little toys and she put it on here and she gave this to me. And then one day she said, uh, Dad, that goes on your backpack. And I was like, um, well, I really like it, honey, and I don't want it to get wrecked. 
So let's put it in the drawer. And so I got it in the drawer. This happened on Friday. She brought me this flower. Um, she came into me. She said, Dad, it looked better than this. But she came on Friday. She said, Dad, I got you this flower. And I said, oh, yeah? I said, honey, that looks like it came from one of Mom's house plants." She said, I didn't pick it. I'm like, I think you did. She said, but I, but I got you this because we're best friends. That's what she says to us. She says we're best friends. And so she's hilarious. I, I brought another picture. We, we go on Snapchat filters, and she loves to just goof around with me. This is one of her favorite Snapchat filters to do. <laughs> and here's what's crazy about this one is uh, I say, I, she says, Dad, let's do the Snapchat filter where I look old. And I'm like, you're either really planning on going hard for 30 years of your life. It's going to have a rough 30 years. And she says, no, I'll do the old one where I look like you. Oh, so, 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 so this is what she thinks every 40-year-old looks like. It's terribly insulting. But, uh, but listen, the value of a gift has nothing to do with money, monetary value. These... These are some of the most significant gifts I'll ever receive. How I many you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're just a little bit of scrap paper. It's a, it's a probably broken off little flower here off the thing. But it's because I understand what it meant to her to give it to me. That's what makes this gift so valuable. Is I understand what it came from and, and what it, the sacrifice was and what the thought behind it was and the intention behind it was. And so if, if we forget to, if we begin to neglect, if we get into the Christmas season and we forget the purpose and the meaning and the intention that our Savior came and did for us, then we're doing ourselves a huge disservice at the Christmas season. If you think about God sent his perfect one to come uh, uh, to a virgin birth and be born in a manger so that we could one day walk in salvation, what an unbelievable meaning so significant to us. Are you with me today? Uh, I recognize the meaning and the purpose. You're going to get all kinds of gifts this Christmas season. Some will be monetary gifts of great value. You're going to get something that significantly costs money and it has great value. Some of you are going to get a gift that Maybe for you, it's an emotional gift. Somebody is going to maybe write out some nice things for you. They'll write you a letter or maybe a poem, or, or maybe you got somebody who can write a song, so they'll write you a song. So it's a very meaningful, emotional gift. Or maybe some of you will get a sentimental gift, something that sparks a memory or pays a tribute to. And those are all very meaningful. Those are all very significant gifts that you can receive. But none of them compare to the eternal spiritual gift that Jesus gave us by coming to earth. Can I get an amen today? Christ, the worship of Christ, the season of saying, hey, the most significant gift that's ever been given was given to us in this season. God gave us a gift greater than monetary, greater than emotional, greater than sentimental. He gave us eternal life through his son, Jesus, our savior. But there's a few people at the first Christmas that actually miss this. They miss the value of Christmas, of Christ coming, of, of him showing up and prophecies fulfilled. They miss this. And so today I want to look at just two ways that at the first Christmas, some people missed the value of Christmas. They missed it. And I want to make sure we don't make this mistake. Luke chapter two, verse seven, we can all find ourselves in the same kind of pattern. Luke chapter two, verse seven says this. It says, so Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. 
There was no room. We all know this story. We know the story that Mary and Joseph, they're at the end of their pregnancy. Jesus, baby Jesus is on his way. And uh, the story goes that they had to return to their hometown of Bethlehem because there was a census, a Roman census taking place. And so they have to go back to their hometown. And as they're traveling back to their hometown, they try to find a place to stay, uh, to give birth to the Messiah. And the scripture says that they get to one inn. They get to this holiday inn and they say, hey, we need a room. And the the, the leader of the inn says, hey, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen here. There's no vacancy. There's no room. I've made no room. Every room is taken up. All space is filled up. I have no space for Christ. I've left no room for Christ in this Christmas season. Everything's all filled up. There's no more space for me to value Christ. This was the innkeeper's mistake at the first Christmas. And it's my first point. It was busyness that caused him to miss the value of Christmas. It was busyness. From the innkeeper's point of view, this would have been a good thing. This would have been an amazing thing. He's killing it. He's crushing it. There's literally no room. Look at me. I've done so well. We're completely sold out. Business is crushing it. But what happened to him in his life is he had no idea that the baby that he was rejecting and turn away and the person that he was snubbing happened to be the savior of the world. He was too busy. He had too much going on. Busyness caused him to miss his greatest opportunity, which was to meet God, be used by God, and be on the right side of history. This busyness in his life and this first Christmas story caused him to miss the opportunity to meet God, be used by God, and be on the right side of history. I hope it's not said about our lives that we're too busy in this Christmas season, that there's no room in our schedule, our budget, and our thoughts. I hope that we've left room for Jesus. I hope we're not the same way of saying, hey, just this year, I can't take the time to appreciate the gift of Christmas because I got this party and this thing. We're doing this thing and I got to get this done. We got to get this done on the house because the family's coming up. We got all this kind of stuff. So sorry, Jesus, there's no room in our thoughts and our budgets and our minds. How many know what I'm talking about today? We can't be the people who live in Christmas that way. Psalm 10.4 says this. It says, wicked people are too proud to seek God. They do not look for him, and there is no room for God in their thoughts. Again, somebody who has no room, who keeps no room, who keeps no space for the worship, the Christmas of God. Scripture calls those people wicked people. What a huge disservice it would be for us as Christians to go through the Christmas season and say, hey, I got no room, I got no space in my thoughts and in my mind and my time. And the psalm tells us that that's a wicked person. We can't make the same mistake as the innkeeper. Psalm 39, 6 says this, all man's busy rushing ends in nothing. All man's busy rushing ends in nothing. How many of you have actually felt that way at the end of a Christmas day? Everybody's rushed and opened all the presents and did all the things and you had all the meal. And then you looked over at the end of the house, at the end of the day, you looked over the house and you said, it's over all ready. It felt like all that busyness ended in nothing because it was all about all these other things. We got to make sure we're a people who rest in the worship of this gift of Christmas. Can I get an amen today? I love this quote. It says, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Be so busy doing nothing. You can be so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Forget to make a Christ-centered, Christmas-filled, Christmas, worship-filled 
living. Uh, I thought about this. Busyness. I got, I'm glad I got an amen here. Let's give it up for that one right there. Uh, you know, we love hearing little babies in church service because that's a sign of growth. How many know healthy things grow? Amen. Come on, bring that amen back. The rest of them are all boring in here. Just kidding. Love you guys. Uh, busyness fills a schedule but can fracture a life. Christmas, we want it to be about this. We want to make sure that we come and we adore him and we worship and we make it about the worship of Christ. But if we get too busy, it fractures the lifestyle that we've set out to have. That's what happened to the innkeeper, too much busyness. That's why Psalm 4610 says this, we're called to be a people who do what? Be still and know that I am God. Slow yourself down and be still and make sure you're about the worship of this gift of Christmas. At this season, in all the hustle and all the things that you're doing, we got to make sure we get in a posture of, hey, I have this gift of Christmas, and I'm going to be still and make sure that it's about God in this season. Can I get an amen? Uh, I love the French philosopher Blaise Pascal said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, I don't agree that all of man's problems come from the inability to sit in a room alone and be still, as the scripture tells us to. But I would say many of the times that you've gotten in significant trouble in your life, your excuse was, dad came in, mom came in and said, what were you thinking? Why did you do? You would have said, I don't know. I was just bored. I couldn't sit still, right? How many got in trouble because you just were sitting around too much and said, I got to go do something. And it led to not a good choice. So I do agree that there's this, there's this thing on the inside of us that causes us to not be a people who can just sit in adoration. Are you with me today? We got to be a people appreciating the value of the gift of Christmas. Second thing we see in the first Christmas that caused people to miss the value of Christmas uh, is this. It's familiarity. Familiarity caused people, uh, we'll take a look at it in a minute. If you've grown up in church for any amount of time, it's pretty easy to become familiar with the story of Christmas. You've probably been someone who's heard it all before. Uh, you've celebrated Christmas your entire life. You know the stories, you know the songs, you know the traditions. It's easy to get jaded or bored or have a lack of enthusiasm when it comes to Christmas. You think it's hard to hear another Christmas sermon. Try to be the person who has to come up with another Christmas sermon. <laughs> It's easy for us to just say, ah, I've heard it all before, I know it all before, and fall into familiarity. You can become so familiar with something, it doesn't amaze you anymore. That's why we do Advent. That's why we focus our eyes on what it is, because we want to make sure that this is always amazing us. You can become so familiar with something that you miss its beauty. You take it for granted. You see it, but you don't do anything about it. Oh yeah, there it is again, Christmas. Oh yeah, Christmas Eve is coming up, and oh yeah, da da da. And we see it, but we don't do anything about it. We don't value the gift of Christmas. This was the mistake that the religious leaders made at the first Christmas. Here's the story. The wise men arrive to King Herod. They've come from the far east, and they say to King Herod, they're currently in Jerusalem. They say, hey, where's the baby? We know the star, the manger, the star is lit. We see uh, that it's hung above the sky. We see the star. Now they say, hey, where's the baby? Where's the foretold one, the, the Messiah? Where's the baby? And King Herod has no idea. So he gathers the religious scholars together, the people who would have the information. We see it in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4. When he had called together the people, all the people's chief priests, and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. They all knew. Think about this. 
they all knew and understood where the Messiah would be born. This wasn't like secret information. They had a knowledge, but they had what? They had become familiar with it. Oh, yeah, the Messiah? Oh, yeah, that's an easy answer. He's going to be born over here. I put it down like this. Many were familiar with the prophecy about the Savior. They knew exactly where he'd be born. They could even quote the scripture from memory, but they were unmotivated and unconcerned. How often can we go, oh, yeah, we know all the songs. We know all the scripture. We know all the stories. And then we fall into a lifestyle just like the religious leaders of being unmotivated and unconcerned about going to the presence of God. I wrote it down like this. They didn't care to make his presence priority in their life. They knew of all the stories and all the prophecies that would be fulfilled. And they left it up to just debate. I wrote it down like this. Uh, We see, of course, there's this unusual star. They call the kings together for an emergency meeting. And yet none of them cared enough to go check it out. They had the right answers, but they did nothing about it. They wouldn't even bother to go see for themselves. Uh, I thought about this. They would have rather debated about the Savior and the Messiah than go experience him. Any of them could have said, oh, is this the time, the star? Is this the place that the Messiah? They all could have went their way. Probably what happened and the reason that they didn't do this and go experience the presence of the Messiah arriving, the reason they probably didn't go experience on their own is because the distance was probably too far. I imagine it was like probably like a month's worth of travel. They would have had to put all these things together and it was a crazy time. And so there was just way too much to line up for them to go over and get in the presence of God. Oh, wait, the scripture teaches us that the travel from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is only a five mile trip. Very possible for them to say, hey, this is our knowledge. This is our information. And we're going to use that to go experience God's presence. Are you with me? I hope in our lives we don't have an understanding of all of this stuff and we know the scriptures and we know the songs, yet we're unwilling to arrange our lives to go experience God's presence in the season. Are you with me today? Their lack of curiosity was so stunning because for centuries Israel was waiting upon a savior promised by God. It was debated, discussed, and studied, yet there was no room in their theology for the time when God actually showed up. And they missed his presence. Ephesians chapter 4, 18 says this, their minds are in the dark. They are so stubborn. So they have missed out on the life that comes from God. We can get so stubborn in the way that we think it should be. We should get so stubborn in our knowledge and in our information in the head of our religiosity that we miss the presence of God, which is the life that comes from God. Are you with me today? Proverbs ten twenty seven says this, it says reverence for God adds hours to each day. Being in a posture of, okay, God, I'm going to reverence you. I'm going to make sure I don't miss this perfect gift of Christmas. I'm reverencing you. It says it adds hours to the day. That doesn't necessarily mean it lengthens your day. What it means is it means it adds value in life to your life. It adds to you when we're a people who, who reverence God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. It says, you will seek me. And it says, you will find me when you seek me with what? all of your heart. You'll seek him and you'll find him when you do it with all of your heart invested. When you understand the significance and the purpose of someone's heart being put into something. That's when we find God. When we, when we come together at Christmas and we Christ mass, we worship Christ because of the gift that's been given to us. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. It's with all our heart. So why this perfect gift? Why this 
Christmas. What's so perfect about this gift? Well, let me tell you, uh, the the angel begins to explain what this is going to bring to us. This gift is going to do for us. Luke chapter two, verse nine says this, says an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This is the gift of Christmas. It's that you don't have to be afraid. It's that you can actually experience great joy in your life. Jesus coming, this gift of Christmas is so that you don't have to live terrified. You don't have to be worried about what's going to happen in life. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the economy and in the schools and all of the different things that we're facing. Hey, don't be terrified. Instead, because of the gift of Christmas, you can be someone who's filled always with great joy. Scripture goes on to say, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's the gift of Christmas, is this joy that we get to live in. The good news is that Jesus came to earth. Well, what's the purpose of coming to earth? I'm glad you asked, because I wrote it down. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. A joyful life. Once translation says that I've come to give you life and give it to you better, a better kind of life, not the life of the world, not the life of society, but a life that's better than that way of living. That's the gift of Christmas is that we can have joy and we can have a better kind of living. Can I get an amen today? We got to be knowledgeable. We got to be zoned in. We got to be in adoration. We got to be seeking with our whole heart to be able to walk in his presence of this gift of Christmas. They did a study, I think it was out of Germany, I forgot to look it up, but they took some people, you foodies will really connect to this, they took a study of some people, uh, a couple of different groups, they hooked them up to all those uh, mind machines, you know, where they can tell how you're reacting and all the different emotions you're having, and they took one group and they said, hey, we got this cookie here, and this cookie is an unbelievably rare cookie, it's so good, it's made with like the finest ingredients, chocolate, they don't even make, it's such a rare thing, they don't even make very many of them, and so you're about to experience one of the, the greatest delicacies in all of the world, and so while they ate this cookie, the, the, the reading all the emotions and things that are happening, so they said, all right, you, you're going to experience just this most amazing gift, this cookie, here, eat it. And then while they ate it, they savored it and they appreciated it. And the readings that were coming out of it were, you know, a joy and elation and appreciation, all of this, like, oh, I can't believe this. Then they took another group with the same kind of cookies and they said, listen, uh, we got these cookies for you and here's what I need you to do. I need you to eat as many of these, unlimited amount of cookies. I need you to eat as many cookies, these cookies, as you possibly can, as fast as you can. And there's some people in the room that would qualify for that. If you've ever seen Andy eat ice cream, it is like, it is, it is, I'm not sure if it's like impressive or we got to get him checked in somewhere, but, uh, but it is amazing. He would do great at this. So they say, eat as many as you can. I mean, hustle, grind, eat as many of these cookies as you can. And they're monitoring what's all happening in their mind. And what's amazing is same kind of cookie, different kind of mindset. Eat as many as you can, as fast as you can, hustle, grind, one thing to the next thing. All of the emotions and all the things that they scanned, they, they had no elation. They had no joy. They had no appreciation. They just got through the chore of it. Same cookie, two different mindsets. One was... I'm going to appreciate this thing. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to set my adoration. I'm going to make sure that I don't miss this gift of this thing. And the other one was, I just got to get through it. I got to get over it. I got to get through it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? So this is what Christmas is. This is how we focus on Christmas. This is what we focus on the gift of Christmas is we say, I'm not just going to hustle and grind and get through it and get it over with and get it on to the new year. No, I was going to say, hold on. 
this is a very valuable, amazing season that we get to set our adoration on Christ who came to be our Savior. You understand it? Uh, one of the commentators on the video that I was watching about this study, uh, this has happened to me. They say the same thing happens in your psyche as this study, if this has ever happened to you, where you were maybe eating a snack. You're eating a snack and you're having the snack and, um, and then you set it down. You thought that you set it down. Uh, you're like, oh, I set it down. And then you go back and you go like, Where, where's the rest of that snack? But you actually quick ate it. And you go, oh, oh no, I thought I had another bite left and it's gone. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen before? Usually my kids eat it or my wife eats it. But, um, <laughs> but that's a terrible feeling, right? It happens to me with breadsticks all the time. Like, oh, yeah, I got a breadstick and I eat it. And, I'm like, and, I, and I think that I set it down and I go back, where'd that breadstick go? Oh, I ate it all and I didn't appreciate the last bite. <laughs> I can't even go on anymore. <laughs> Some of you in here are laughing because that hit you deep. Like, that's true. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about my wife before we get you out of here? Okay, thanks, Andy. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to say she was pregnant when this happened. You're going to have to verify. Okay. <laughs> I don't recall you being pregnant in North Carolina in the condo that this happened in, but that's okay. <laughs> she could. Okay, okay. Multiple times this happened then. But you guys know what happens on a Sunday. The preacher doesn't stop talking, telling stories about his wife. It's like, wrap it up, buddy. I want to go eat, right? And so you go home from church, you're spiritually full, but you're naturally starving. And so we go home, I think we're newly wed, and we make a lunch, and I had to take a phone call. And, uh, and so I take a phone call, I step out of the room, and I'm talking on the phone, we just made lunch, and I come back in, and my plate was empty, and she goes, you took too long, I ate your lunch too. <laughs> true story, true story. I hope she was, pre- I think she was pregnant at that, and so it was fine, but... But I hope that appreciation makes sense for you. In this season, the greatest gift of Christmas, Jesus. Let's not rat race our way through it. Let's understand and unpack and appreciate the gift that we have. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today, this day that you have made, but also this gift of Christmas, this season that we're stepping into. God, I pray that you help us set our adoration on you, our focus on you. God, we don't want to miss this season in busyness and familiarity, but God, we want to be a people focused on who you are. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.